All right. Hello, everyone. We are here in the EP. Oh shit, the microphone's at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Damn. Okay. All right. I've never used my phone as a podcast. Usually we're using professional equipment, but yeah. this is just the phone. We're here in EP's Burger something or other. EP's Grill, I think. EP's, EP's Grill, Grill in Graceland. Elvis, um, they say that he put down the tile here himself. <laughs> so, I believe it. Yeah. It's, it's pretty well done. He hammered all these metal chairs together. I believe it. Elvis imbues every element of this restaurant. Yeah, yeah. So this is Dr. Baffa and Coach Coach Nat. Coach okay. Nat Aram of Hook Rip. And Joe Danbury. Special guest, Joe Danbury. East Coaster, currently living in Memphis, Tennessee. East Coast Golder. You were never East Coast Gold, were you? Never East Coast Gold. No. East He's East one of the Coast few Gold. people from the East Coast who has never been on East Coast Gold. East Coast Gold. I was just chatting Have with... You? Team New Jersey? Of course I was on East Coast Gold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was just talking... With, so I was commentating with Ryan Metzger, who she's on East Coast Gold. She I was in the 55s. Yeah. Isn't she, she from like Westchester? Uh, no, she's from Chicago originally. No, but no, I mean but lives in Westchester, I thought. She lives in uh, Virginia. Virginia. Really? I was sure that she was um, training out of Westchester, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't, well, all I know is she's East Coast Gold. Okay, yeah, yeah. Even though she's from an area that's marginally... And she was apparently on East Coast Gold when she was starting in Kentucky. Which Kentucky... I remember that when she was lifting in Kentucky. Yeah, but Kentucky, East Coast... Well, you know what? Bit of a stretch. I'm confusing her with a different girl for the Westchester thing, I think. Okay. Anyway. But yeah, Kentucky's not, it's not really East Coast, I mean, no. it's closer to East than West. So. <laughs> yeah, Kentucky's closer to East than California. Yeah, yeah. I'd say but, Kentucky's solidly Middle America. Solidly Middle America, yeah. yeah. But East Coast Gold has never been concerned with geography yeah. for their team members. But we're here at the National Championships, day one uh, is over. And now we're waiting for our burgers. You've been here all day. Yeah, yeah. I got here yesterday. Actually. You got here yesterday. Yeah. Joe and I arrived today. And you flew in? I flew in. Joe lives here now. And yeah, how was the lifting? Uh, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not like the lifting was like worse than what I expected for the lifters who are here. But Fair. it's not... Um, it's not being attended by all of the best lifters. No, that don't that doesn't mean that there's no good lifters here. Yeah. And by good I don't mean like obviously these people made national yeah. qualifying totals. They're not like like in, in, in probably in their gym they're like the best. Probably. Yes. In, in in a lot of cases. But when I when I say good I mean people who could like make world teams, make pan M teams. So for example the seventy threes which are finishing up just finish up basically. No CJ Cummings. No CJ Cummings. Yeah. Chad Vaughn, two-time There's Olympian. There's Chad Vaughn, two-time Olympian. Yeah, yeah. And former American record nine holder. or ten-time national champion, former American record holder. Who yeah. really counts national championships? Though? You know, Nobody counts like, that. No one, no one counts that. <laughs> like, like, this isn't like, you know, I, I was actually, um, it's, it's odd, but I was talking, my, my Uber driver was very interested in what was going on. So he was asking me all sorts of questions. Like, he was like, so... It's like, so you said it's a weightlifting meet, right? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a weightlifting meet. He's like, oh, what sort of weightlifting meet? I'm like, national championships. He's like, oh, national championships. How does that rank in the scale of weightlifting meets? How important <laughs> is it? And I'm like, well, it's like, you know, it's important, but, you know, no one really counts the number of nationals you win 
So I actually had this discussion with the Uber driver of all people. And it's only like an eight-minute Uber from the airport, so it's like, wow. you know, I, he got a lot of information in, in in eight minutes. Jesus. He was very interested. He's an inquisitive Uber driver. Yeah, he was very, he's, he's excited about the Pan Am Games coming up now. <laughs> After the chat, he's, he said he was going to watch it. I was like, I don't know how you watch it, but yeah. maybe there's a Good stream luck. or something. Good luck finding a stream. It's probably on like CCTV somehow. But <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah, like, the, the lifting's been pretty... Uh, I would say good for for who's for who's here. So you know you're not going to see yeah. um, like kind of like senior American records, even with like the newer records. Which in, in the case of the American records, most of them are actually yeah, they're harder. They're, than they're, world. Yeah, they're harder than world records. Yeah, yeah. but um, like you're not really going to see like senior American records. You probably won't even see junior. You'll see some youth here and there. Like Hampton Morris hit some. Youth American records today in the 55. So, you know, that's the kind of people you have here. You have like some very, very good youths. You have a couple very good senior level lifters like Caitlin Hogan and Hunter Elam's lifting in the 59s tomorrow, which is interesting considering that 64 was a big cut for her. But she's on the start list as a 59, which I assume is some sort of play to make a team of some kind. But I'm very curious to see how she looks at 59. I think one of two things is going to happen. Either she'll look like complete death and like bomb out at like a 109 cleaninger yeah. from the cut, or she will survive the cut pretty well, and she, she might actually do better than Jess Lucero numbers. I don't, you know, it's so... a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight to lose. Like, I'm... As a percentage, too, it's... This is huge. But, but keep in mind that she was coming down. Am I wrong that she used to lift as a 69? Uh, in the old I don't classes? Remember. I, I, that sounds right. Well, do you know? Counted. Joe? Joe? No, Joe? I didn't. Joe, <laughs> Joe, you're the weightlifting guy here. <laughs> Damn, he was well, a... This is why we brought him in. We flew him in from the other side of Memphis. That's right. In Elvis's private helicopter. I feel like I've commentated on Hunter... Obviously, I commented on her in the old classes, and it sounds... Whether she was a 63 or 69, it's still a huge cut. Yeah, you're cutting. You're cutting. It's a huge cut, right? Put it this way. I'm I'm about, uh, I would say, 90% sure that most of the time she was lifting in the old classes, she was a 69. Then when the new classes came out, at AO3, she went down to 64. In kind of like a, not necessarily like surprise move, but kind of like like a big move to kind of like make a team and she hit a big clean and jerk there she had like a 121 clean and jerk at 64 put herself on the world team she went and lifted in Ashgabat which I can confirm she was definitely there because I remember talking to her there and then now she's like going further down to 59 which like I said I I feel like with a lot of people that do these big cuts like this it usually doesn't go well yeah it, it, more often than not, they they look at the scale and they're like, well, you know, it's like easy to be like 62.8. Like, how hard can 59 be? <laughs> and then like, you know, then they do this last bit of cut. Yeah. And it's not that they're like mentally weak. It's nothing like that. What it is is like when you do these big cuts, your body feels totally different at that yeah. body weight. Like, the movements that you did before, like, yeah. don't feel the same and everything feels different and it's like it's jarring to your body a lot of the muscle memory you have 
doesn't work the same I mean, way. Even going up can do that, right? Like if going you, if up you, can mess with it. You too. go up and suddenly you're setting up for a snatch, and like your legs are thicker, your torso's thicker, yeah. and like all your mechanics can be off. And so, obviously, going down, the same thing can happen. It doesn't take much to throw it off because, no. like, there's a lot of people out there who I'll talk to who are like, "Well, you know, I tried on a new pair of shoes, and like all of a sudden I can't snatch." And I'm like, <laughs> "What?" Like, you literally went from the Nike 2s to the 3s? The 2s to the 3s are a big deal. That's well, a big change. Well, I mean, they got they got shittier. By the way, I do think the new 3s, like the XDs, the, XD, yeah, the yeah. XDs are actually seem pretty robust. But every, everyone kind of knows, including Nike, that the 3s were kind of shitty and not very... The 3s were held perfect. together by nothing but hopes and dreams. Exactly. They, yeah, and bad three, hopes and dreams. And bad hopes and dreams. Yeah, They're not, the not least ones. robust shoe. Yeah. Ever. I've seen, have you tried the 3s on at all? I have not. What do you wear these days? My Adidas. Adidas? Okay. Yeah, Good old Adidas. Good old Adidas. They ride together. The 3s... I remember the first time I picked one up, I was like, this is not... No, no, it's, <laughs> this is not going to go well. It's, it's, not, it's not robust. No. But anyway, my point is, is like people make little different, little changes, and it completely fucks with their technique. Yeah. Now, I know I'm saying all this before she's even competed, and maybe she will have a great competition... Maybe she and like Travis and you know whoever's like planning this have some uh, knowledge that I don't like. Maybe she's been training a lot at like sixty one point five or something, and uh, and has been like hitting big numbers in training yeah. at sixty one point five. Maybe there's something I don't know, but I can tell you this: if she's been training a lot, like at sixty five. And she does a drastic cut over the court. And this is... I don't know that this is what happened. But if she decided to do a drastic cut... And she decided this like three weeks ago. And she did a drastic cut. I would almost certain it won't go well. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just my my opinion. And so it's if it's more gradual and more planned over the course of five, six months. And I don't know that she's been planning this. Then maybe it'll be better than I think. Yeah. No, exactly. Even just as a percentage, you're talking about well in excess. So what's that? Ten percent. Ten percent, nearly, depending on how much he's cutting. Like that's an enormous amount of a lifter's body weight. I remember once Travis Cooper. I don't remember if it was online or in person, but I remember once Travis Cooper told me that you can cut up to seven percent of your body weight without like a true physical. Uh, different. It's more like a mental, mechanical difference. So I've, I, I trust Travis Cooper, and he's he's a guy who's done that cut. Like yeah. when when I first started, Travis Cooper was a chubby ninety four. Then he became a, an eighty five, and then he was a seventy seven, like pretty lean and dialed in. But that seven percent is literally double the number I've heard previously. Well, but but again, I, Travis is somebody who's actually done it. I, I Where are you cutting from? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I guess. I that think it depends too. too because her her body has not a hundred percent adjusted even to sixty four. Yeah. Because, like I said, she was coming from like the sixty nine seventy one range, and granted, I actually do think it was a good move to go from that to sixty four because she wasn't quite big enough and strong enough to be hanging with like the big girls in the sixty nine seventy one class. Like she wasn't doing gonna get, do cleaning jerks yeah. in like the 130s like Maddie and Kate and I and whatnot but the 59s is another story you know because that's a lot of 
dropping when your body hasn't fully adjusted. Now, if she had spent three years as a 64, yeah. then it's one thing to drop to 59. It's well, still a big deal. That's like what Cooper did, right? right? He was like a 94, he spent time as an 85, and then he was ready to be a 77. Yeah. He, he looked fine. He never... Well, also, Travis Cooper did it in like a, a much more slow and yeah. controlled... Actually, Travis Cooper is where I first heard about RP strength, or like Renaissance periodization, or whatever you want to call it. I remember at the 2014 Pan Ams, I talked to him when, uh, you know, basically, I think before he competed, I can't, yeah, yeah, it was before he competed. I think we were waiting for like accreditation together. And he told me, I was like, I was like, wow, I saw you were like going 77 here. He's like, yeah, you know, I've been trying out this new like tracking diet with these guys in North Carolina, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, you know, it was like, whatever, you know, <laughs> sounds good. And then, and then lo and behold, he hit a 184 yeah. clean and jerk there at 77, which still to this day is probably the best ever competition clean and jerk he's done. Now, he did do more weight as an 85. Like, at, at 2013 Nationals, he did, I think, 191 at 85, um, which I think was his best. That was where he won, like, best lifter at 2013 Nationals at the roller skating rink in Cincinnati. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think he did, like, 150, 191 there, something okay. like that, at 85. So he'd done more than that. He'd done more than that 184. But I'm just saying, like, uh, to me, 184 and 77 is more impressive than 191 and 85. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so, yeah. because it's only a, what, a 7 kilo increase in, uh, you know, weight when you're talking about 8 kilos of body weight. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that it should go up faster. Than, yeah. To yeah. me, like, 184 and 77 is more like 195 to 197 at 85. Like, yeah. Like they kind of fall in the same. Because 184 would also be like 95-ish percent of the clean and jerk record at that point. Yeah. Right. 96 percent. So. Something out there. Yeah. He did come very close with a 187 clean and jerk at 2015 Worlds at 87, but he he got called for a press out because his elbows are a little. His elbows were always a little soggy. Yeah, I mean, he's a, like, he's a real, like, student of weightlifting, and it's it's not like he didn't know, like, oh, you know, like, having soft elbows can lead to yeah. bad No, that was just his lockout. It was, was just, just, it was just anatomy. Genetically, that was his lockout. Our burgers are coming out right now. Delta burgers for me. So we've got our burgers coming out now. Thank you very much. They come with fries and everything too. This was pretty good. Steal the ketchup from there. I'm getting some ketchup. So interestingly, I'm good without ketchup right now. I do just want to comment that uh, we didn't touch on this, but the place we're eating at, Nat's Co Diet Coke, came out without ice. He had to ask for, uh, he had to specifically say, I'd like ice in my Diet Coke. What was even weirder was when I said, oh, could I, could I get ice? She was like, oh, uh, I'd normally bring them without ice. <laughs> Which it was just, it was just a, we've all agreed. A glass of cold Diet Coke. <laughs> we've I, never seen before. Especially in the, I have seen um, in other countries, they will bring out. Uh, like countries that are freezers. 
<laughs> no, no, just, just generally in some other countries, it's just not normal to, to drink like stuff cold. Like warm beer in London, maybe. Um, maybe, but in, like basically sometimes in, in other countries, they'll bring out like a can of soda that is just room temperature. Warm. But if I ask for ice, they're always like, okay, yeah, here's some ice. Should we take a break while we eat? Let me pause this. Let's see how I pause this. Did Gregor just hit the pause? Yeah, but... All right, I am restarting this. Uh, Dave and... Sorry, I forgot your name. What's your Joe? name? Joe. Dave and Big Joe are uh, still still eating. Joe's almost done, but... I, I fin finished his margarita. I finished mine. Mine was like kind of a very small kind of like flatbread pizza yeah. thing. Um, no, I'm good. I actually might I might get like a dessert or something like that. I'm not really sure. I, I didn't look at the menu. See, if they have some like good southern dessert, maybe I would. But I'm restarting this. Right now we're talking about um, Harrison against Reed Bars at Junior Worlds. Possibilities for that. But anyway, is there something else you wanted to talk about with this meet? Other than, um, you know, the hunter dropping down. It's your thing. first national meet, Joe. What do you think of the meet? What do you think of nationals? Not my first national meet. National meet? First, but it's the first one that I've been in a very long time. Where's your first national meet? I'm trying to remember. It would have been like maybe 2009? Those were my national yeah, no, You weren't no, there. No? I don't think so. I think anyway, but it was exciting. It was low key. This yeah. is low key for nationals, I would yeah. say. But, uh, yeah. What do you think of the setting? Graceland? Bunch of, bunch of Elvis fans. <laughs> Graceland is. So. I don't really understand the love for Elvis all that much. Were we talking about this, you yeah. and I? Yeah. It's just a weird thing to me yeah. to make a pilgrimage to a place for a guy who was like a good singer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I don't know. He was. A, he, he made some good songs. Do you think in the future there's gonna be like a like a go to the the house of like Fred Durst sort of thing? You know. <laughs> Go see like Biscuit Mansion. <laughs> I hope there is. I hope there is. I mean, I mean, maybe Elvis is like on another level above that. But to me, like, I don't know. I, I'm not. Maybe it's because I'm not from that generation. But to me, I've never understood the the whole thing. But even if someone is someone that you're a huge fan of, and people would generally agree is like a great musician, even if it's like a Michael Jackson, or even if it's. Uh, you know, like uh, Freddie Mercury or like all these people that are like generally revered as like being like very, very high level or like Prince or someone like very high level performers. I would just be like, why would I go to their to their house as like a <laughs> like a religious pilgrimage experience? Like this yeah. is like they, they have chairs and tables and stuff like. All right. It's like what they went to the bathroom. Yeah, they probably showered. Like, wow, that's a fancy bathroom. Like, yeah. oh, shit. like I don't, I don't, I don't understand it either. Because even, even for people who I would be a, a, a big fan of, like, do, do you have any interest in going to, like, Suleymanoglu's house in Turkey? I would go to his childhood. 
his childhood home. Because uh, I'd be curious to see in like Bulgaria. In like exactly, in I'd Bulgaria. be curious to see like where did Slimanolu grow? Like if somebody said, "I will take you on a tour of Slimanolu's <laughs> childhood town," and like this yeah. is the gym where he lifted. This is where he did his first competition. Like. I would do that. Going to his house, but that—that's not what Graceland is. Like, I did go to Greece to see, but Pierce, yeah, I mean, I have to go to Albania to see his original home. Elvis bought Graceland because he was too famous and he needed a bigger estate to like get away from the masses standing outside his house in Memphis. This isn't even where he's from. No, it's not. He didn't grow up in Graceland. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't know how USA Weightlifting settled on Graceland as like a natural place for. I mean, listen, the, the venue is, is nice, right? Like it's the venue's great nice. stage. This hotel's nice. Right. This hotel is nice. The Overflow Hotel is a Holiday Inn <laughs> Express. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but I, you know, hey, fine. I should mention something about Holiday Inn. So here's one really kind of like nutty thing when you visit some other countries is how certain brands are so different in other countries. Like, if you've ever been to Japan and you've been to a 7-Eleven there, it's, like, super nice. Have you okay. been to one? Hell yeah! Okay, yeah, yeah. Have you been to 7-Eleven in Japan? <laughs> They're amazing. It's, like, great. It's, it's fantastic. You can like, get good food. You can get good coffee. Like, the best coffee I had in Japan... From it's 7-Eleven. In a 7-Eleven. Yeah. Great, great egg salad sandwiches. Great egg salad. Have you ever had their soft-boiled eggs? Well, have, have you ever had the, the pancakes that the have pan- the syrup <laughs> pre-filled in them? They're really good, too. By the way, I'm going to Japan this summer, and I'm super pumped for for the pancakes. Like, uh, Someone's super excited over there for pancakes. Someone's excited about pancakes. Yeah. yeah. So here's what's interesting about the Holiday Inn. When I was in China, I was in China recently for Asian Championships. Brother, can you bring me back some pancakes? I'll pay you to bring back some pancakes. I, am I allowed to bring them across the border, or am I, am I risking losing my global entry? <laughs> I don't want to... I don't know. If it's if not a risk, I'll buy I, some I, I'll look up the customs rules or whatever for the U.S., and if so, then I will bring back some pancakes. Because I do have a lot of luggage allowance. Okay. So, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Okay. Yeah. Um, Alright, so The Holiday Inn When I was in China After the competition in China I stayed for a few extra days And went and visited some factories uh, For some of our suppliers And potential suppliers and stuff like that One night They said, hey, do you want to go out to dinner? This was like the end of the day When we were done uh, You know, visiting factories I was like, yeah, sure, like, you know let's, Let's go they're like, okay, we have like a really nice restaurant. I'm like, okay, great. We drove about 15 minutes. We end up at a Holiday Inn. <laughs> we go up to the second floor of this Holiday Inn. And I'm expecting, of course, like a continental breakfast <laughs> with like bad hard-boiled <laughs> eggs and like one slice of ham or whatever the, you the get. A tray of pancakes yeah. and not the, the good the pancakes. A tray of pancakes and yeah, yeah, not, not Japanese pancakes. No. Like pancakes that were made a week ago, yeah. you know, in another country and trucked in through smog or whatever. This is what I'll be eating tomorrow morning if Joe doesn't get breakfast with me. Yeah, so, so we get there, we go up to the second floor. And by the way, this hotel is like a four or five star hotel. 
you walk in, everything in the lobby is like shiny. It's huge. It has like it has like a forty foot ceiling in it. It's a gigantic, like you know, super nice like high end bar in the lobby. Everything. We go up to the second floor. We go to this restaurant. We have a private room. Okay, not only do we have a private room, but we have like a personal butler who stands immediately outside the private room and whenever you need anything, you press a little button and the person comes right in. And our private room was like a suite with like a nice bathroom. So we had a private bathroom. I asked them, I was like, hey, where do I go to the bathroom? They're like, it's right there. I'm like, wait, what? And it was literally like a door like right there. We're in a and suite. This is a Holiday Inn. We were in a Holiday Inn. And this was like a very nice restaurant. Very like ornate, like all sorts of like carved wood everywhere like I was like what in the world this is a holiday inn and believe it or not when I was staying the last couple nights after Gregor left Ningbo I was uh, kind of on my own for a few nights I was staying in a hotel that was had a brand on it that I had not heard in years I was staying at a Howard Johnson <laughs> Have you heard of a Howard Johnson in yeah, the U.S.? Yeah. Well, of course you've heard of it. But of I mean, course. Have you heard of one in the U.S. in the last 10 years? No, 15 I haven't years, been to I don't know that, First of all, I don't know that I've ever stayed at a Howard Johnson. And I don't know that, I could, that I've seen one in recent memory. Okay, so I was at a Howard Johnson. Now, they, they had recently rebranded it to like a Wyndham. But that, they, had re, they had only done that very recently because all the towels and all the... Like the keys in the hotel and all this other stuff was all still branded Howard Johnson, but like literally, if you if you booked the hotel, it was like labeled Wyndham. But and they did update the sign on the outside, but everything in the hotel itself was like Howard Johnson. Like all the like printouts I had in the hotel, like my room service menu said Howard Johnson on it. But here's what was crazy about this: Howard Johnson, but way nicer. Like this hotel was so nice that. When I checked in, I took my elevator up to the room, and there was someone waiting to show me to the to the room. Like, and this wasn't like a happenstance. Like, she was like, "Mr. Aaron," I'm like, "Yep," and she's like, "Yeah, let me show you to your room." Like, I've not been in a hotel ever that does no, that. No, and this is in China. This was in China. In Ningbo. Or in Ningbo, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and by the way, this hotel was like like fifty two dollars a night or something. Like, China's very cheap, but. And I, the other thing, too, is that I don't stay in nice hotels usually. Like, I actually, when I travel, I do usually fly business on points. So I'm, I'm used to kind of, like, very nice uh, ways to cross the ocean or whatever. But I never, ever stay in nice hotels. Like, I'm probably, I've stayed with you places. Yeah. And I can affirm that we have stayed in a dump yeah. together. We stayed in Rio. That's true. That was a complete dump. <laughs> We stayed. There were, there were six of us. Five, six, five, five, five of us. us. Yeah, five. In uh, an apartment, it was an that Airbnb. Would have been tight for two people. It, seriously, it would have <laughs> been tight for two people. Yeah. One bathroom. And in Rio, the plumbing in all of Brazil, the plumbing is not strong enough to handle toilet to paper. No, no toilet paper. So, have you been to a country where they don't have sewage systems for toilet paper? Do you know what they do with toilet? What do you do with toilet paper? Trash. You throw it in the trash. Six people. Five yeah. people. Hold on, me. I'm going to pause it real quick. And we're back. And um, we're back talking about Rio. Talking about Rio. Oh, my God. Dumps. Yeah, it was bad. Well, here's five the, people, one bathroom, 
One small garbage can. Here's the thing about Rio. I flew there and back in business class. So the nicest part of your trip was on the airplane. The nicest bathroom of the whole trip was on the... <laughs> uh, on the so I actually flew... Now, you know, for the viewers out there, I've flown a lot in business class over the last, like, five, six years. But I do it all on points. I've actually never bought a really expensive plane ticket ever. Um, the most expensive plane ticket I've ever bought... Now, granted, this is kind of expensive, but I think there were one or two that I did about 2K for a very, very extensive business class trip. This wasn't like New York to London and back. This was like a multi-leg, etc. sort of thing, um, where basically the coach was like 1200 so I was like, all right, whatever, I'll do, I'll do business. Yeah. But... I do fly a lot of business class, and for instance, with Rio, it was on it was using point, American Airlines points, um, and I was thinking when I was on the plane, I'm like, I'm probably the only person on this plane in business class that's staying like in a favela. You know what I mean? Like, I've got to be the only one. Like, like I think I probably have the biggest spread of flight quality to accommodation quality like, of anyone. Certainly for Rio. And Rio was fun. It was, it was great. It was cool. It was a good experience. The five of us in that small oh one-man apartment. Yeah. But, uh, we uh, should also mention how the shower worked with the hot water. <laughs> the shower would, every time you turn the shower on... Well, you got to like, explain how the hot water works first. So hot water, you had to like turn it on via the circuit breaker or something, right? How well, no, no. Well, do you remember? So what the way it worked was they oh, have, there was that thing the, in the shower. They have right? instant on hot hot water. So yeah. basically, the, there's no like hot water heater somewhere in the apartment. The hot water heater is like above your head in the shower, yeah. and it's small, and it instantly heats the water from. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm good. Right here. That's it, it, it instantly heats the water from from cold to hot. Yeah, in in a like. On, so it's an electric, like. Yeah, it's a, it's basically an electric heater. Yeah, it's appliance like, basically. It's an appliance in the shower. Basically. Right. So there was exposed wiring. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> literally above wiring here. hanging above in the shower. Yeah, with, which wasn't capped off properly. Like I'm not an electrician, but. This was not, there was like exposed metal all yeah. over the place yep. in this thing. So I was like, am I going to get shocked and die? And Every time you took a shower. And it, you know, yeah, there's like, you know, there's like water floating through the air too, you know, it's like. <laughs> and every time you took a shower, it would blow the fuse. Basically this. In the this, kitchen. The, the heater was too high amperage, I guess, too, too many amps for the, yeah. the circuit. I mean, maybe it was like a. 15 amp device on a 10 amp circuit. I don't know. Like, so the fuse would blow, and you'd be in the shower with cold water, and so you'd have to yell out to the person in the kitchen to uh, reset. Showering was a two person. Yeah, it was. It was one person in the shower and one person manning the circuit breaker, basically. <laughs> and so you would yell out, and they would flip it, and you would get another. But there was always a decreasing amount of time. For each, so your first run in the shower, you might get like three minutes, yeah, yeah. and then it would blow, and you'd yell, and then your second run, it'd be like a minute seconds. and a half, 45 seconds, and then your third run, it was like hot off, <laughs> hot off. So yeah, that was showering in Rio. Yeah. It was a blast. And by the way, this apartment, 
if you looked on it on Airbnb like a month after the Olympics, I think it cost like $12 a night. <laughs> on, during the Olympics, uh-huh. it was like two eighty. <laughs> they made like literally a year's worth of money, if not more, in the, during that two weeks of Rio. Now, the reason we stayed there, I should mention too, is that where the, the weightlifting was held wasn't in Rio. It was in this area. It's spelled Barra, B-A-R-A, but it's it's pronounced like Baja. Yeah. Because uh, R, R, R's are like H's or whatever. So it was pronounced something like Baja. I'm, I'm sure I'm saying it wrong, but um, the, the Baja area was not super built up near the weightlifting stuff. Um, and so basically, we had a choice of either location or quality. There was literally not even even if it had been like a, a not not a crazy not like two thousand dollars a night, but if it had been more money, I probably would have gotten a better place. But there were no hotels. There was nothing. There, were, there was no hotels. There yeah. was no better apartments. Yeah. Our choices were one of two things: we could have gotten an Uber each way every day. Yeah. The closest good places I could find were a minimum fifteen minute Uber ride away in good traffic. And there was bad traffic a lot of the time. Every day. Every day there was bad traffic. So basically, I, I concluded that there were no good places to stay other than this. And this isn't good. Sorry, this was the the best of a bunch of bad options for that situation. And the one good thing about this apartment was the location. Yeah. It was about a five-minute walk to the weightlifting area. And super, super, super easy. Everyone else... Like, I would be sitting next to some Americans who were staying somewhere else who did book more traditional accommodations. I was like, where are you staying? They're like, no, we're staying at the Hilton in uh, Copacabana. And I'm like, wow, that sounds nice. Like, it's probably a lot nicer than my uh, favela. But then I'm like, oh, like, how did you get here? And they're like, oh, uh, it took an hour and 45 minutes. And I was like, what? An hour and 45 minutes? And it might be like five miles away, 10 miles away at most. And it'd be, yeah, an hour and a half. Maybe more than five, five miles, but like... People were people coming in from nice accommodations were were dealing with crazy crazy amounts of traffic. The only people that were doing better, like I did talk to a couple of official like IWF officials, so I knew who were staying in nice hotels, but they were allowed to use like their buses were allowed to use like the Olympic lanes. Yeah. The problem for us is like we were just people. We weren't going to get to use the Olympic lanes. We would be stuck in an Uber. Not that the Uber was expensive, but the thing is, if you're going to the competition every day, I really would rather stay in kind of a, a shithole. And don't get me wrong, like, the place wasn't... It was fine. It wasn't like I was like, oh, you know, there's, there's like, ants in my bed. It just wasn't nice, and no. it wasn't big. It, for two people, it would have been fine. It would have yeah. been totally fine. Because, like, two people in that space would have been okay. I mean, literally, there was a person sleeping in every room except the kitchen... Which was impossible to sleep in yeah. because there was no space. Yeah. There was just a circuit breaker for the shower and a fridge. <laughs> we, we literally had a, a person staying in the living room. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, but it was, it was fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know how we got on that tangent. We were talking about my, my flights to my uh, oh, accommodations yeah, yeah. and you were confirming that I don't always stay in the nicest places. But that's true. That's true, yeah. But, you know, with this, I, I guess I was talking about the hotel in China. 
like sometimes I will stay at nice places if they're really cheap. Yeah. You know? I mean, like I remember the hotel I stayed at at um, 2016 Youth Worlds in Malaysia was really, really nice. But it was still like crazy cheap. Malaysia is just insanely cheap. So I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was about $35 a night, including breakfast. And this was a very extensive breakfast. They had no less than about 30 hot options laid out on this massive table. Then they had like a huge dessert table, huge like cereal table, huge like cold area table, huge fruit table. I was like, this is a massive breakfast. At a lot of hotels in like the Western world, this breakfast would easily eclipse the room. Uh, oh yeah, cost. absolutely. And and the the room was was super nice, super modern, super nice. Everything was great. It was literally across the street from the venue. Sounds like the Holiday Inn Express in Memphis. Holiday Inn Express in Memphis. Yeah. You just never know. Oh my goodness, would be. <laughs> Kara Head Slaughter stopping by our table. We're, we're actually recording a podcast right now, and you are a podcast guest. So if you didn't know. You didn't know. You have to say hi and introduce yourself. And for the three people who don't know who you are, who are you? Kara. I'm going to leave now. I didn't. No, why are you going to leave? We're recording a podcast. We're talking about hotel breakfast. It's not important. You're Kara Head Slaughter, Olympian. Yes. American record holder. Yes. National champion, okay. world team member, junior world team member, yes. and senior or uh, international coach now. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. That's so, I, yes. Not like I, I stalk you or anything. <laughs> no. I mean, how could you not know all this stuff, right? Like, if you're if you know weightlifting, you've been around as long her, as I have. Her team is called. Chafip. Ch- I knew you were going to say that. Yes. Just tell me yeah. when. Chafip. Like, Matt calls our team Chafip. Yes, they are Chafip. But you know, I, I call every team by something different than what they call themselves, but it's still correct, technically. So technically it is, it is. C-H-F-P. Chafip. Yeah. Chafip. So. That is true. Yeah, yeah. Matt, you can call us whatever you want to call us. Okay, great. <laughs> So did you, you, we just saw Lance earlier, actually, when uh, Joe and I were walking in. By the way, have you met, this is Joe Damry, this is Kara Headslaughter, in case I haven't mentioned. 1996 Olympian. In handball. That was 92. That was 98. That was 94, 98. 96 was only summer. That's right. Yeah. The first year they started only summer. He doesn't summer. even know what year he was curling. <laughs> <laughs> he only remembers the glory. He doesn't remember the details. So yeah, we ran into Lance when we were walking in, and Lance didn't know where he was going. We didn't know where we were going. We're so all figuring we're, it out. Yeah. yeah. What? So, have you been to Graceland? First of all, I have not. Okay, not so yet. you're not like a huge Elvis fan. Um, no. Okay. Not off. No. So, how do you <laughs> feel either. about visiting the home of somebody <laughs> famous? Like, are you going to Graceland to see his toilets or anything? You know what? We just we knew when we. When we came here, we were going to go to the, the Civil Rights Museum. Okay. So, Which is actually historically interesting and important. We had that on our calendar. Okay. Um, Not great though. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Like, you know, it's just, it's what we had scheduled. And then, and then we'll co- I'll coach. Okay. Yeah. So did you go to the museum already? We did. We How went is it? The first day. Amazing. Really? Yeah, amazing. We uh, so the Lorraine Motel is connected to the National Civil Rights Museum, where mm-hmm. Mar- 
I saw a picture, yeah, yeah, yeah. was assassinated. So um, that was just very meaningful uh, to me. So we mm -hmm. went the first day we got here, and then it's going to be weightlifting for the rest of the weekend. How many athletes do you have? We have three, um, mm -hmm. but we watched Chad Vaughn tonight, uh, Jerome Smith, Chad Vaughn. Uh, that was it. So I was going to say, Chad Vaughn is an athlete uh, of our generation. Yes. So the question is, are you suiting up on Sunday to also lift? Yeah. I am not. Hats off to Chad Vaughn, though, for being in such great shape. 39 years old, yeah. And moved down a class. Yeah, exactly. And he was breaking Masters American records here at Senior Nationals. Yeah. Um, just incredible. And, you know, he was... Almost, almost was national champion. Right. Took a crack. I mean, he almost made 165 in the future. So who won? Jerome won? Jerome won. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, he's a youth lifter yeah. winning a senior national championship. Um, and to win, so to be like a two-time Olympian is probably cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and Jerome was born... I think it's 2001. Yeah, 2001. 20, okay. 20 year difference. Okay, 20, 20 year difference. Yeah. yeah. It is such a great competition to watch. It was fun. That was, I, and I, Chad's 165 was impressive. He, he just didn't hold on. He literally I know. had the weight over yeah. my head. Yeah. He had it over, he just, there was like a beat where I was like, oh, he's got it under control. Right. And then he didn't. I know. Yeah. I know. It's tough. It's tough. Let, oh, wait, we got like, bills coming out right let now. Let you guys finish your podcast. <laughs> okay, good to see you all. Good to see you. Good to see you. All right, I'm going to pause this again. Well, it's already 40 minutes. Wait, I guess I need to pause it. This is my card. Anyway, so I have a funny story about Kara the last time I saw her before this. At, um, I guess it was, it was like that mega meet where it was like Youth Worlds, Las Vegas International Open, USAW under 25, USAW University Nationals, probably other meets I don't know about as well. Um, she came up to me at the booth like in a panic and she's like, I lost my phone. And she's like, I logged in to uh, find my iPhone on this my friend's phone and he came up and he was there too and she handed me the phone. She's like, how do I find it? Because it just had like the beeping thing. And you could see the phone was in, in the venue somewhere. But she couldn't locate it, and so I showed her that you can actually hit the thing to say, like, play a sound. <laughs> and that you can also no, have it, it pop up with a message that says, like, call me at this number. You can basically send it so your phone on the lock screen will have a message to say, like, call this number. Because obviously they can't call you. So we had them call the number of her friend's phone. And eventually she found it, and she came up to me like maybe 15 minutes later. Was like, "Oh my God, thank you so much for helping me." I'm like, "Man, like, first of all, I'm just glad that Apple builds those products." But I'm just, I was like, "How do people not know that they can hit the thing to play a sound or whatever?" I used it. Oh, you never used it, really? I never used Find My Phone. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you if you're out there and you have an iPhone, definitely turn on Find My Phone. Thank you. Um, and then um, other. Uh, like Androids have something similar. Like I have two phones. I have a I have an iPhone, and then I also have a Xiaomi Android phone. And uh, the Xiaomi has some sort of like Xiaomi account, like some sim similar service. But anyway, people should definitely turn that on. She got her phone back because of it. She's here. She might be here only because she found that phone. Yeah, she this might still be lost. Otherwise, or she. Um, would have had to skip this trip to save up money to buy a new phone, you know what I'm saying? 
Yeah. Phones, phones are expensive these days. Pretty much the cost of a trip to Nashville. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, that was that was my last experience with with Kara. She's fun. Yeah, she's, she's nice. Excited. Team Chafip. Team I've got Chafip. I've got a couple other ones like you know Academy of Weightlifting. I've been calling them Ow Team Ow. <laughs> um, that works. Yeah, yeah, it's Ow. Yeah, Team Ow. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch. I don't know. I, I would need to go look at the teams to tell you what I what I call them. But I've got alternative names for most most teams at this point. I like that now, at least on the scoreboard. Like when they have the athlete coming out, they put the full team names. I feel like for a while they were just putting an abbreviation. And if you didn't know, and I also feel like the abbreviations weren't always standardized. Yeah. So you had to know what abbreviations meant for that specific meet. If you wanted to guess, if you didn't have like a sheet with their information. I mean, there have been some great mistakes over the years by by announcers. Like I remember at um at the Arnold one year, Dennis Reno called MDUSA Team Medusa the entire weekend, <laughs> and I was just like Medusa, but I I, I love that name. That was actually one of the things that kind of inspired me to come up with stupid alternatives to team name. Dennis Reno. Yeah, like because I guess Medusa. technically it is Medusa, but you know. It's close. It's actually kind of a cooler team name. I was say it's cooler than MDUSA. MDUSA, yeah. Team Medusa. Yeah, so there, there's um, I'm trying to think of some of the other good ones, but I've definitely heard a lot of other mistakes, but. I, I, this is, I don't know that I should share this, but Dennis Reno's a... I, I imagine he would appreciate this, because I know what he meant. 20... I forget what Arnold, but it was when Erin Kircher was, like, first lifting, coming on the scene. You remember her? Yeah. Uh, and she... It was, like, her first breakout meet at Nationals. So it must have been 2012 <coughs> Nationals. I was there, yeah. And uh, uh, after she finished, like, her last... I want to say it was her last cleaning jerk... Dennis Reno said, she's 18, folks, which sounded like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which sounded like, she's 18, it's okay, but I know what he meant, he meant like, wow, she's really, that's really young, she's really impressive, Yeah, but it, it just didn't sound right coming yeah. out. That, yeah, you, you gotta be careful when you say stuff like when that. you're yelling out about how old girls are. Yeah, yeah. So, but... Dennis <laughs> Reno, I know what he meant. Yeah, I, yeah. Dennis Reno, we love you. you know he didn't I mean, mean anything bad by it. No, absolutely not. You know another one of my favorite announcer stories? I, I know you will really appreciate... I might have even told you this one, but you'll really appreciate this one. But, um, you know Joe Triolo? Guy from kind of your area, my area too. He's from like New York, right? I just He's actually sitting right over there, yeah. <laughs> That's true. He's sitting across the restaurant. He can't hear this story though. <laughs> so... Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, Joe Triolo, he was announcing at 2013 Nationals. And the roller rink. Roller rink. Um, one of the guys who I trained with at the time, his name is Mike Zoda. Yeah. His last name is Z-O-D-A. It's not a common last name, but it's also an easy name to say, right? Most people would, when they say Z-O-D-A, would say Zoda, right? So, Mike is in the session. It's like the 69 Bs or something like that. 
there's another lifter in the session who's from basically where where Joe is from. His last name is Spiro Digliozzi. You know Sergio, right? Yes, yes. So his last name was his name was Sergio Spiro Digliozzi. So literally every single time he gets Sergio's name right. And for Mike, he kept calling him Zoder. And not not like a like an accent where he's saying Zoda, but it sounds like Zoder. He was literally saying Zoder. And I'm like, how are you putting an E and an R on the end of this? Like, wh- what? It literally says Zoda. And I even went and looked because this was before they kind of uh, had like a scoreboard up. They had a they had a um, like a a screen like a TV screen up, but they didn't have like a full scoreboard screen. I went and looked at the table, and because I think he might have actually been using cards, not a computer, and uh, and it said Zoda. He's still just calling him Zoder, but he got Spiro Digliozzi right every single time. Now, partly it's because he knows him, but but I'm like, some of the names that they just butcher, it's like crazy. I'm not sure they're paying attention. I'm trying to think. Like, I've got so many good stories, but for some reason I'm blanking on a lot of the variations of Medusa. Like Joe Triolo, <laughs> when I, uh, so 2009... The Nationals, where I came in second, because Chad Vaughn was not lifting there, and because Lance Fry bombed out. The chase car is right here. Okay. One of them. And I have pins for you. That's That's yours, actually. We have the same chase car. Oh, that's okay. Okay. (laughs) No problem. And again, the uh, validation she'll do it up front for you as you uh, walk out. Okay. Thank you. Thank you guys. Have a great night. Thank you. You too. By the way, what are you doing using an Amex Platinum to pay for food? (laughs) There's no bonus points on dining for Amex Platinum. That's all about bonus points. I mean, how do you think... Are you enrolled in any point systems? Well, he has an Amex Platinum, so he has Amex... You know, I don't have any Amex cards. I never use Amex. I will say I I do really really like Amex points. I like them more than Chase okay. points, but I would never use an Amex Platinum to pay for food because you're only getting one times points. You know okay. what I, mean? I do a lot of traveling. So. Well, first of all, I agree with you. Amex Platinum, if you do a lot of traveling, is fantastic for a bunch of reasons. One, you have the it's so. It's so I don't know about Memphis, but in some cities you have the Centurion lounges, which are great. We have one in Philly. I go eat there every single time I fly out of Philly. Um, you get a, a, basically a 200-ish dollars a year Uber credit. Now it's spread out like month by month. But it's 15 bucks a month and 25 bucks in December. 30, right? 35 in December. In December yeah. Yeah. It's, it's more in December. And you can also use... Here's another nice thing about that. But This is going to turn into like a Miles and Points podcast <laughs> pretty soon if you get me started. But the other nice thing about the Uber thing is you can use it for Uber Eats. So on the months where I... order a meal. Yeah, yeah. If, you, um, if you're just not using Uber that month for some reason, you can just order a meal on Uber Eats and get $15 off. So you get that, you get like the global entry fee refunded, which is only once every five years, but you get that. You get some other things too. You get like an airline fee credit where you can essentially get $200 free on an airline. Um, Not United anymore. 
Oh, is United out? One of them's out. I think United's out. Yeah. I don't know that. I mean, mine's mine's been with American because I'm an American hub in Philly, but. Um, but yeah, so you get $200 essentially free on an airline, and there's a bunch of other credit uh, benefits too, but one really nice thing is that if you book airline flights directly with an airline, not through like Expedia or Orbitz or one of these things, but directly with an airline, you get five times points, which if you're buying a fair amount of airfare, really adds up. I mean, I'm... Between myself and my employees, even though I do a lot of rewards flying, um, and by the way, I always put the like the taxes and fees on my Amex Platinum. So I, even when I book a reward flight, I might have like one, two, three hundred dollars in fees. But um, even with all the award flying I do, between myself and my employees, I mean I'm always booking a minimum of ten k in airfare a year, even for just for domestic flights and some other stuff. So. Um, yeah, that's a nice, nice bonus. But yeah, Amex Platinum, I do recommend it for frequent travelers, especially if you're in a city with a Centurion Lounge. Which Chicago? I don't know if there's one in Chicago. The, the ones I've been to, uh, I've been to one in Seattle, which was kind of like a mini version of it. I've been to one in LaGuardia. I've been to the one in Philly. I've been to Las Vegas. I've been to Dallas. Um, there's one in LAX. There's one in LAX. I haven't been to that one yet. I will be at that one, though. I'm uh, flying through LA on my way to Fiji in about two weeks. So. Um, when you buy, Joe's a pilot, so when you buy flights, do you just buy flights normally, or do you have a way? So that depends. Okay. Um, <laughs> used to that I. In my old job, I, I always bought my flights, um, which is nice. I have about 700,000 American Express points, I think, something like that. <laughs> um, but, but this job, most of the company buys me. And then if I do, on my own, I'll buy tickets. Who are you a pilot for? FedEx. What? FedEx. FedEx, nice. So do you fly one of like the, the old, like, you know, DC nines or whatever? Don't, don't, don't they fly like those ones with the three engines with one of the- MD-11s. MD-11s. Is it is it like a modified DC? Isn't it like a basically yeah. future version of a DC nine? DC ten. DC ten. Whatever. Yeah. DC 10, yeah. Yeah. Do they still fly those? Oh yeah. Is that what you fly? No, I fly triple seven. Triple seven. Okay. So do you do? Um, I mean, are you like flying stuff back from like Shanghai to Memphis to the hub sort of thing? Yeah. That sort of stuff. Pretty much. Okay. So how many? I'm curious about this. I, I'm I'm really a fan of like flying and all this sort of stuff. Like, how many pilots do they put on those cargo planes? So it depends. It's all it depends regu- on the length. It's right? all regulatory. Yeah. Do you guys so, stop in Anchorage? Uh, we, sometimes we don't need to. Sometimes yeah. we do. Well, I, I know spe- you don't spend, need to. I but spend a lot of time in Anchorage. Anchorage is one of the biggest cargo hubs in the world. So. Well, I know it makes sense because it kind of cuts the flight in half and it makes it more fuel efficient to do that. And they can also split the cargo up and not send it all to Memphis, you know? Yeah, we, we, we'll usually come back non-stop from like Asia or Europe. You know, it's a long, long range airplane. So if, it, if it's less than eight hours, two pilots. More than eight hours, less than 12, three pilots. More than 12 hours, four pilots. Okay. How are the rest areas on the plane? They're nice? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I guess and you don't have to deal with customers. That's nice. <laughs> you know, you're just flying boxes and... 
like you know expensive cars and whatever. I don't know what gets air freighted, but or no, like air express. You know, um, I'll be honest. I don't like to use FedEx, but it has nothing to do with the service. It actually has to do with the the FedEx brokerage is really really bad um, for international stuff. And keep in mind, I actually love FedEx as a like uh, to me like FedEx is the most reliable. If I'm not sending something, it's going to go through their brokerage. Like, it's it's great. Like, especially, like, FedEx Ground in the U.S. Like, okay, so USPS is obviously just an unreliable kind of, like, piece of crap. I mean, everyone knows that because everyone's had, like, USPS stuff that says, like, oh, it's still on the way. Your package has been <laughs> delayed. Like, yeah. I mean, it's happened to everyone. UPS is um, better. They're, they're much better at, like, time-definite stuff. Like, if I send something UPS Ground and it says two days, like, let's say in Chicago... It gets there in two days almost all the time. But the nice thing I like about FedEx is the stuff comes in, like, so much, like, nicer. Like, the stuff from UPS will just come in, like, in tatters sometimes. And the stuff from UPS, the stuff from FedEx is, like, it's like they handle it, like, with care. More so. Um, which, I, which I like. And like I said, the service from like Asia and stuff like that is really good and the prices are very competitive for the level of service you get like honestly from Asia DHL is faster and in 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 that sense it's better because they do move the product like if I send something from Hong Kong to where I'm at it's DHL is literally overnight it's crazy how fast it is it's like insane like it'll land in Cincinnati It'll be off the plane in Cincinnati, it'll be on a plane to Philly, and then it'll get off the plane in Philly, it'll be with the delivery courier, and it'll be like at my door. Like It's literally like they have a personal set of team to get it to me. And don't get me wrong, I really like FedEx. The problem I have with FedEx, because FedEx is usually cheaper, and uh, the stuff, is it does move very well. But the FedEx brokerage, we have had so many problems with them. At one point, FedEx literally seized... Or it's, it's not, it's not, you know, it's not FedEx. It's U.S. Customs. But the FedEx brokerage was incapable of helping us, even though I told them literally five or six times what to do. They like literally couldn't help us. The stuff ended up getting seized and destroyed. Really? About twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff. Yeah. It was nutty, and I, I will say this: we made a mistake on that shipment and that we labeled something in a way that would indicate it to be like uh, something that the FDA would review. You know what I mean? Because most things come in through U.S. Customs and the FDA looks at certain things if it, um, if it applies to them. You know what I mean? Like the FDA is not going to review like baseball bats or something like that. But they review obviously food, but we weren't shipping food. But the FDA reviews like uh, like medical devices, right? Our stuff isn't medical. I've even talked to people at the FDA because I've asked. I've said, "Hey, do we need like a medical like registration? Do, is there something that we need to do?" I'm like, "I'm not trying to skirt the rules. I want to know what do I need to do to bring in like knee sleeves." And they, they basically said, if your knee sleeve is used in, like, rehabilitation of, 
uh, basically people who maybe get surgery or something like that. If it has like metal in it and all this other stuff and it's like sold through like medical supply companies and stuff, then it, a knee, knee brace or whatever would fall into stuff. But you know, when it's for sport, uh, like warp sort of purposes, they've explicitly told me it doesn't. So I know that it doesn't um, through multiple conversations with the FDA about this. But anyway, it eventually got seized, and FedEx brokerage pissed me off so much that I won't ship Air Freight, or sorry, Air Express through FedEx anymore. It's just, it just, it was too big of a loss for them to literally be that incompetent. You know, I literally, like, and we've had a, a similar problem once with uh, UPS, and it got delayed by about a week and a half, but it got fixed. You know, but their brokerage was just useless. But the pilots are great. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, best and in it, the business. And you easily. know, the brokerage has nothing to do with the pilots. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the pilots got the stuff. Literally, the stuff got from our, that, 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 that particular shipment was coming from Shanghai, uh-huh. um, and it got from Shanghai to Memphis in like a day. And then it sat in Memphis for like a month, then it got... <laughs> well, then they offered us, okay, we can ship it back, and you have to pay for it. Uh, and that was like a really large amount of money. Or we can just destroy it. Had insurance cover that for you? Actually, we didn't have insurance on that, but the uh, the shipper, the basically the factory slash company that we bought, bought them from, labeled them wrong. See, I've told them a lot of times, do not write knee support on the box or on the customs form. Also, they need to use, um, there's basically like this uh, tariff code system for the US where every product gets a, is like associated with a code. And that code, depending on like the country of origin and the, uh, you know, basically the, the product, that, you know, whatever that code is in the country of origin, there's a percentage, a duty percentage applied to it. And the way you get that code is by going through and categorizing it. Sometimes the code's like, okay, like a sport support item that is based on more than 50% cotton or something is like this percentage and less than 50% cotton, but more than 25% lycra is this percentage. Like, you know, it's like a, it's literally got tens of thousands of lines in the, like they call like the harmonized tariff code or whatever. So I know the codes that we use for the products. And they were supposed to write the codes on the invoice. And they were supposed to write knee sleeve. And instead they wrote knee support. And that was the reason why they would not let it through. They're like, they're like well, if it's supporting the knee, then it's a, it's a, it's, it's a medical device that's, um, that's like, you know, helping to hold your body together. So like, they're, 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 they're like, anything which touches the body is a medical device. And I'm like, first of all, that's not true. Are t-shirts uh, a medical device? And they're like, they're like, okay, yeah, you're right. T-shirts aren't a medical device. I'm like, okay, so it's not things which touch the body. And then they're like, okay, but it's things which touch the body, which support joints and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm like, listen, I mean, obviously there's an aspect of support to it, but you can make the same argument about a lot of things like, I mean, are shoes a medical device? They support your ankle, like, right? I mean, like, I'm like, this isn't meant to be used in sport. It's not medical. This this isn't used at medical clinics. I mean, and by the way, these were the, like, the the knee sleeves from, like, years ago. These have been ones that are not, not the new 
I think it actually had more than one type of knee sleeve in the order. I can't remember for sure, but I think there might have been some neoprene ones in this. But anyway, like the whole thing was just ridiculous. And so the, the company ended up replacing it, but um, yeah, it's just FedEx. FedEx brokerage, dude. I think it was actually... Good pilots. I think it was the person that we dealt with that was completely incompetent. Because I did a lot of like Google searching and people, when this was happening, and people did not have as much trouble as we did. But this person was just completely incompetent. Um, anyway, that put me off of FedEx. But anyway, like the, the other thing too is is that like I said, we'll DA. This out of the podcast. Right? <laughs> yeah. This is all going in, man. Yeah, There's no editing. I don't have time to edit. To edit. You'll be lucky if I have time to yeah. to raise our voices in this podcast. Yeah. Hopefully, the audio. I have no idea. Like somebody is screaming crazy every time. Not this table, but like somebody on the other side of the bar. Yeah. So, and I've never used this app before, so I have no idea. Yeah. We have a good 55 sitting next to us. Oh, yeah? Uh, Mallory. Um, she did 80, 90 something today. Attempted a 100 cleaner, didn't make it. Um, yeah. That's my pen. So, I'm trying to think of what else we could talk about with either brokerage, uh, <laughs> flight, miles and points. Very little weightlifting so far. By the way, really, you should get a better dining card. If you do dining, you you would easily make back the the annual fee on like a, even if you got like a Chase Sapphire Preferred, which isn't, you know, it's not as much money as like the Sapphire Reserve or whatever. Like, even if you did that, you would still make back that on points. I mean, I assume if you're traveling, you dine out. And you probably get reimbursed, but you still put it on your card, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, dude, you got to do it. Where's your favorite place to fly to? And how long are you on the ground usually when you fly somewhere? It depends. Yeah. Anywhere from, like, 14 hours to five days. It depends. Okay. So if it's a long haul to like Shanghai, you're gonna be on the ground longer. Yeah, usually you'll be on around at least 24 hours. I just got I just got back, so I just got back from I was over in Cologne. I spent basically like three days in Cologne, yeah. and then I went to Milan, spent two days in Milan, and yeah. came back. Okay. So that's not a typical. Where's your favorite place to fly to? Where is it? your favorite place to fly to? Does it matter? Like, does it matter at other airports where you're like, oh, man, I don't want to go there. Usually you'll hear me say, oh, I've never been there because it's, it's just, there's more places that I've been than I haven't been. Okay. I like everywhere. I mean, I, I, love, I love Anchorage. It's beautiful. Really? I like Shanghai. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, I like Europe. I like Rome, uh-huh. obviously. Um, but I don't like everywhere. Are there airports where you're like, oh, my God, I got to go? No? I heard some pilot complaining about LaGuardia once. La- LaGuardia is not like a freight hub, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and I also, mean, they all New York airports are, you know, if you, they're, you know, but you get paid. It's not like, so it's like when you get delayed, you're like, oh man, I'm delayed. It's just yeah. convenient. When I get delayed, they just pay me more money. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter to me. So yeah. Some guys get worked out about that. I'm like, yeah. But also, LaGuardia, I don't think handles 777s. Because LaGuardia is, has like a range limit on the planes that they fly out of there. Um, I don't know if it's a 
because of the length of the runway or if it's just because of that's how they do it? But like, no, you, if, they, if I don't know about that, but if, if they're limiting the size of the airplane, it's the size of the length, it's the length of the runway. Right, right. I mean, but I'm saying that there's some airports where it is the length of the runway. Like, for instance, uh, Reagan in, in D.C. has a limit on it because it's just a smaller airport with a smaller runway. So any big long-haul stuff in and out of D.C. is going to go through Dulles. But with, with LaGuardia, I can't remember... <clears throat> I think there is some sort of rule on it, but like, you can't take a long haul flight out of LaGuardia. It doesn't exist. Um, and I, once again, I'm not sure if it's some sort of agreement of some kind or whatever. But you know, obviously there are international because you can fly like LaGuardia to like Toronto, but it's not like a, you can't fly long long haul out of LaGuardia. But also, LaGuardia is not, like, because of that reason, LaGuardia is not really, like, a big freighter sort of... I mean, obviously there is... Any airport has some active, some level of freight, but... Like, JFK is a big freight hub. Um, but for someone who's doing FedEx, they're not going to fly a lot to, you know, from, like, the 777s from, like, Memphis to JFK, you know? Because once it's in the U.S., they're going to use, I think, smaller planes, right? We, we'll fly triple seven from Memphis to Newark. We use Newark. Newark, okay. Yeah, and New, I, it's, any, New York's a high-dollar area. Yeah, so I guess, I guess maybe just because of the amount of freight they would do it, but um, yeah, I guess that's true. And also, you might need to be um, Newark. Newark is probably just easier because you have more. You know this from being from Jersey. You have more accessibility of surrounding areas from there. Because, like, with JFK, then to get stuff out of JFK, you you need to... You're either... You can go to Long Island, which is great, you know. Or you need to deal with, like, bridges and tunnels and stuff like that. Whereas, like, with Newark, you can just hop on the highway and be, you know, be going north or going south or going west, no problem. So... How long is the Shanghai Memphis flight? Can I guess? Sure. Well, which direction? I'm just going to guess, too, so... <laughs> we'll both be guessing. <laughs> which direction? Uh, both directions. So, you know, Shanghai-Memphis to Memphis-Shanghai. Well, I'm going to guess it's a little bit longer um, to go uh, from Shanghai to Memphis. Okay. Not? You get the, you get the wind again. Or sorry, did I do that reverse? Oh, yeah, Memphis to Shanghai. Sorry, yeah, I had a reverse. Yeah, so um, I'm going to guess Memphis to Shanghai is uh, 14. I'm going to guess 15. You don't know. It's about 12 and a half back, I think. Get out. 12 and a half? Back. Back. So it's going to be longer going all that. Okay. Yeah, I was going to do four, I'm guessing. Uh, I was going to say 14 and 13. But it's more than 12. Let's see. Okay. Hey Siri, how long is the flight from Memphis to Shanghai? I don't know if it'll pop up because it's not going to know. Um, like, there's there is no direct other than FedEx. Like, unless you can hop on the back of a freighter, you're not there's doing no, that direct. There's no Memphis Shanghai passenger. Well, what I could do is I could look at the distance from um, Chicago and probably add 45 minutes or something like that. When I went O'Hare to Taiwan, it was 14, maybe 15 there. But Taiwan is further south from Shanghai, so... Yeah. 
Alright, so put it this way direct Chicago to Shanghai is booked on here at 1435. Your actual flight will be less than that. They're exactly. They're including the boarding time. Right. So, like, United books it. Oh, wait. Oh, no, sorry. United books it at 1350. At, for, uh, oh, sorry, wait, that's going the other way. No, that's going the other way. 1435 Chicago to Shanghai. Uh, Shanghai to uh, O'Hare is 1350. So I'm gonna guess, yeah, you're you're gonna spend 14 hours in the air, Memphis to Shanghai probably. And you know, if you just crank it up to Mach two and your triple seven, <laughs> then you can get there even faster. So. Yeah. Are there differences in speeds you can go on cargo versus passenger? Or is it the same? Basically, it's all the health cost index. Okay. So it just depends. If we have, you know, we, we also all kinds of stuff goes into how fast we fly. Whether we have high priority packages, how much the fuel costs. Yeah. You know. So it might change every flight. I'll bet it comes down to things like they know what freight is on the plane. And they know, oh, are we taking off a half an hour late? And they know, okay, what connections do we have to make there? And, like, how much will we have to delay something else? And how much is this going to cost us if we miss some sort of deadline? Blah, 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 blah. And, like, they, I'm sure that all goes into the cost index. But they do the same thing with, um, with commercial stuff. Like, you know, passenger jet. I mean, it's like they'll, um, they'll have cost in, indexes where... Because, yeah, it's less fuel efficient to fly faster you know what's interesting about engines too is I was like I've been seeing all the stuff about like the 737 Max Max 8 or whatever and it's interesting how basically the one of the key ways to make an engine more fuel efficient is literally just to make it bigger hmm. like that's not the only thing they're doing but that's like <laughs> that's like a major component of making it more fuel efficient just make a bigger engine because in a bigger engine, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know if you're like an engine guy, if you know about this stuff. But the way it was explained in the stuff I watched was basically a bigger engine can spin slower and move the same amount of air through. Bigger, bigger fan blades. Basically. Okay. So like a flywheel in a car, a heavier flywheel can be more efficient, isn't that right? Because once you get it up to speed... I don't know about the car thing because I haven't watched any videos about that. But, but yeah, it's basically a bigger engine, a bigger, like, basically intake or whatever, I don't know what to call it, is, can basically produce a more efficient uh, engine. And the problem with the 737 MAX 8 was to make it more efficient, they had to make the engine bigger. To make the engine bigger, to clear the ground because of the low clearance of that, they had to move it up. And to move it up, they also had to move it forward which like threw off some weight and balance flying characteristics of the plane, which then they had to put in software, which caused the problem. The software which usually worked, but sometimes malfunctioned with bad input. Yeah. So it was like Microsoft Word from 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Microsoft Word of fixes. Yeah, yeah. Like Clippy didn't know what to do in this situation <laughs> and crashed the plane is pretty much what happened, yeah. This is quite a weightlifting. This is the weightlifting and planes and credit card podcast right now. 
by the way, speaking of plane crashes... You yeah. gotta go? I gotta, do you mind dropping me off? No, no, no. Speaking of plane crashes, but... <laughs> I, won't, I won't tell the story. <laughs> I'll leave it we for another close, podcast. So, who is... Anyone exciting tomorrow that we should be I mean, waiting for? I, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see Hunter. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be I mean, exciting. I want to see Hunter at 59. Yeah. I'm rooting for her to do really well. I hope that she can do, like, you know, 93, 94, and, yeah. like, 115, 116, 118, who knows. Um, once again, I'm not... I don't know enough about her training and her weight cut to tell you whether I think it's going to happen, but yeah. Awesome. All right, we're going to sign off so I can get a ride back to my hotel. And we'll do Joe, a, any, any closing thoughts? Thanks for the exciting podcast introduction. <laughs> we're we're going to do uh, a three-hour one tomorrow. Tomorrow's three hours, so Joe, get ready. Three hours tomorrow. Three-hour podcast. All right. All right.